can we take even one step towards God by our own initiative? Hi, I'm Mike Mason. This is the St. Joe Society Podcast. The St. Joe Society is a Catholic lay apostolate devoted to help men order all things to Christ as they become strong in mind, body, and spirit. If you'd like to see, check out more about us, you can see us online at stjosephsociety.org. This is St. Joseph Bootcamp, episode 22. And the question before us today is, can we take one step towards God? by our own initiative. Now, last week we discovered that our main problem is sin. Okay, so the, we jumped off of the G.K. Chester to po, uh, quote. He says, what's wrong with the world? G.K. Chester says, I am. Okay, what's wrong with our world? We are, okay? We're born into this world with the stain of original sin on our souls that needs to be remedied through baptism. We commit personal sins, whether mortal and venial. They have to be remedied either by the uh, sacrament of reconciliation or repentance or Eucharist, depending on what sins that we're wrestling with. What we're going to talk about this week, now that we have the bad news behind us, is what's the good news. And what we're going to look at is we're going to look at the notion of grace, and then we're going to look at what is called actual grace. We're going to look how actual grace functions before we're justified, after our justification, and how we, um, how we can uh, persevere unto death in a state of grace as well. So we're going to look at what actual grace does to help us repent and be justified, to live holy lives, and to die in a state of grace. So that's the plan for today. Let's jump in by looking at what is grace. Now, uh, John Harden's Modern Catholic Dictionary defines grace this way. Grace is the supernatural gift that God, of his free benevolence, bestows on rational creatures for their eternal salvation. So it's a supernatural gift. Remember, we lost our ancestors lost this through original sin. God gives it to us by his free benevolence. Okay, benevolence means his, his overabundance of his goodness. And it's free, so we don't have to work for it. And he gives it to rational creatures um, like humans with us or angels as well. The Catechism defines grace as a participation in the life of God. Okay. Uh, we certainly don't become divine, but the divine comes and lives in us and elevates us to himself. Okay, beautiful thing. Now, when theologians talk about grace, there's two basic kinds of grace that if you really master these two, you'll have a, a good um, hold on the church's teaching on grace. The two primary classifications of grace are actual grace and sanctifying grace. Now, in this episode, we're going to look at actual grace. Next week, we're going to look at what it means for a person to be justified. And then we'll finish the month off by looking at sanctifying grace. Now, actual grace consists in the direct internal enlightenment of the understanding. So your mind's enlightened. And the direct internal strengthening of the will. That's what we're going to talk about today. So when in actual grace, God is directly enlightening the mind and strengthening the will. Sanctifying grace, which we'll get to in two weeks. Sanctifying grace is the supernatural state of, be that, of being, which God infuses into our souls. It inheres in God and then, pardon me, it adheres in the soul in an enduring manner. Okay, that's a fancy way of saying what? God infuses sanctifying grace in the soul and it stays in there. Okay, and it's for our sanctification. It makes us holy. Sometimes sanctification grace uh, might be called habitual grace. You might run across that. Why? Because it's habitually inside of us, so long as we don't commit mortal sin. So actual grace is God's poking your intellect and will to help it along. Sanctifying grace abides within you so that you can have friendship with God. That's a basic breakdown. Okay. Now, we before we jump into the how actual grace works before justification, I want to throw out a, a 
quick, quick comment on this. Is grace necessary? Yes. Every single act that merits salvation must be done, must be fueled by grace. Okay, this is the church has struck down heresies around this question over and over and over again. Without grace, you can do nothing to merit eternal life. A person has to be in the state of grace to go to heaven. And the reason being is that naturally speaking, we can do good things at the natural order. But the natural plane's here. If we stay on the natural plane, we can only get natural rewards. To merit eternal life, God has to elevate our activities, our thoughts, our desires to a supernatural level. Okay? You can't move from the natural and super natural to the supernatural by your own power. So God has to infuse grace into a person and elevate them up. Okay? So grace is absolutely necessary. This is why no one who dies in a state of mortal sin can go to heaven. Can't. A person has to be in a state of grace to go to heaven because heaven is a supernatural reward and you have to have that supernatural um, principle, that power functioning inside of you, okay? Now let's look how actual grace works before we're justified, after justification, and how it helps us live faithful lives until death. Okay, let's start with before justification. The second council of orange, this is in 529, okay, 1500 years ago. So this question has been solved for a long time. Here's what it says about grace before we're justified. If anyone says the beginning of faith and the very desire of faith itself proceeds from our own nature and not by a gift of grace, namely from an inspiration of the Holy Spirit, such as one reveals himself in contradiction with the apostolic doctrine. Okay, if anyone says not only faith doesn't come from God, but the, even the desire for faith comes from us. That's con contradicts scripture, okay, and tradition. The gift of grace inspired by the Holy Spirit has to be the prime mover of our spiritual life. Listen to St. Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you are saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. For it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. John 6, 665, Jesus says, no man, none, can come to me unless it be given him by my Father. Notice here, the Father has to instill grace within us and draw us to himself, okay? We cannot do this by our own power. It's utterly and completely impossible to do this. We can do nothing to save ourselves from our sins. God has to work in us initially. Now, once God infuses that initial gift in there, then we have to cooperate with it, which is where we're moving with the next. So after we're justified, after God gives us this gift of grace, okay, and we're made, we're justified, we're us, we and God are in friendship again. Well, what do we then do? Once we get this sanctifying grace in us, because actual grace prompted us to have this conversion, how does actual grace function while we're living our Christian life? Well, the Council of Trent says this, about actual grace. For Jesus Christ himself continually infuses strength into the justified incessantly. This strength always precedes, accompanies, and follows their good works. So once we're in a state of grace, is it like, well, I'm just good to know now. I just kind of, you know, I've got the sanctifying grace. I just do my thing and everything's fine. No. 
this actual grace, these little like kind of pricks that God gives us, where he pricks our intellect to see something or he empowers our will to do something. God keeps doing these things. That's what actual grace is. So when we do something good, God kind of pricking us and helping us along precedes our good works. It accompanies our good works and it follows as an effect of our good works. God is always the prime mover of our spiritual lives. Always. We see this in John 15, 5. Jesus says this, without me, you can do nothing. Not some things, nothing. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. It says, St. Paul says, it is God who works in you, both to will and to accomplish according to his good will. So God's the one working in us to will and accomplish what he wants out of our lives. Okay? Guys, at every moment, we're completely dependent upon God. This is why through this boot camp, and as each one of us becomes, we're getting stronger with our disciplines and our morning offering, uh, we're starting to lead our families better. We're saying the rosary more each day. Every time we're prompted to do this, guys, that's God doing that with actual grace. Every time. This is one of the, this is one of the reassuring things for me is when I get up in the morning and I'm motivated. Maybe I'm tired and groggy and whatever, but I'm like, nope, I got to read my scriptures this morning. Got to say my morning offering. You know, when that little prompt is there, I know God's working right there and then. So guys, when you're being prompted to do things, okay, and then you successfully do them, this is the Holy Spirit working in your life. It's a very beautiful thing. It's not based on our feelings. It's not based on, it's just, it's evidence that God's working, which is awesome. Okay. So we sh we've shown that actual grace has to get the whole process of the spiritual life going. It has to accompany our spiritual life as we're living um, faithful lives. What about our final perseverance? Now, you guys may have heard of the term memento mori. It means remember you have to die. Okay. One of the keys to the spiritual life, again, we'll examine this in the future as well, is we need to meditate upon death. All the saints talk about this. Okay. You have to remind yourself you're going to die because you get one chance, one chance, just one, to live your life for Christ. You get one life. And once you die, then you're judged. So we need to constantly remember that we're going to die because all of life is a preparation for that moment. Okay. Listen to what Lugodot says about this uh, final perseverance. Without the special help of God, the justified cannot persevere to the end of justification. Guys, this is important. You meditate on this. We cannot merit our final act of um, salvation. Okay. God has to preserve us all the way to the end. Actual grace is what's going to keep us in a state of grace till the end. Listen to Philippians one, chapter six, he who has begun a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. So St. Paul's saying, he's saying, listen here, when God, the, the thing God started, he's going to finish. You know, we're going to talk more about that because there's things we need to do on our end. But that is the case that he's going to finish it. Guys, we have to, have to, have to, have to meditate on the fact we're going to die and be preparing ourselves for it. What we want to do is we want to be um, through prayer and discipline and abstinence and fasting and all these spiritual disciplines we're going to discuss in this podcast. What we're doing is we're preparing ourselves the best idea, 
best of our ability for that moment. Okay. For that moment. And then at that moment, we trust God <clears throat> to get us through to the end. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, this moment's so important because what we're like in this moment is what we'll be for all eternity. There's a great book on grace, a very small one, but it's excellent. If you guys are interested in it, it's called The Meaning of Grace by Charles Jernet. And here's what he says about this, quoting St. John of the Cross. At the end of your life, says St. John of the Cross, you will be asked how you have loved. That is to say, the degree of your love at the moment of death determines the degree of intensity the beatific vision will have for you eternally. The beatific vision, gentlemen, is the vision we get of God that makes us perfectly happy in heaven. It's us being united to God perfectly. The degree in which we experience heaven is determinate upon how much we loved God and neighbor for God's sake in this life. Because it is important as we go through our day-to-day, okay, each day it's important we do this, that we love God for his own sake and our neighbor for God's sake. Because the intensity of our love conditions us in order to enjoy um, eternal life better. Now, what is one practical, I want to give you guys one practical takeaway before we wrap up. What's one practical takeaway to help you prepare for death? Pray the rosary daily. Every time you say Hail Mary, it's a petition for the grace of final perseverance. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy own Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Every time you pray Hail Mary, you're asking the Blessed Virgin to intercede on your behalf. How about the Fatima prayer at the end of each decade? Oh my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. The ro- daily rosary is a great way to prepare to meet your maker, to, to adequately prepare for um, our death. And God, guys, as we commit ourselves to being faithful Christian men, we also need to trust God that he will lead us on the way. This, this idea that um, we have to depend upon God for our final perseverance, this shouldn't scare us because our, our Heavenly Father loves us. Our job is just to stick with him and keep walking that narrow, narrow path of salvation. As you guys prepare for Lent, be charged to have a great Lent and grow in holiness this year. God bless. And I'll see you next week.